beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, imagine if you were a fish. Kids can imagine swimming in the in the water, a hungry fish, and you're swimming along, and then you had to choose between an easy meal of free, delicious smelling food just hanging there in front of you, or the, the natural live food that that takes so much work to find and to chase. If you were that fish, what would you choose? That piece of minnow hanging through the hole in the ice and the, the glow of the, the sunshine with all the sparkling lures around it that looks pretty tempting, doesn't it? And as a fish, the distraction would make it hard to value the normal and the natural way of surviving because it seems like so much more work than that bait nicely prepared and hanging there for you. And in the moment, in the moment, as you're swimming along, you might even forget the serious warnings you receive from your, your mummy fish ever since old Uncle Tom gave in to the temptation and he bit into a, a sharp hook that ripped him right out of his happy school and flung him to fly with the birds among the savage squeals of human toddlers and pitiless praise of proud parents. To tempt someone is to attempt to make them do something that will hurt themselves. And you do that by making sin look attractive, by waving it in front of their nose. James 1 verse 14 talks about being lured, being enticed. A temptation is like bait on a hook. And the person who puts that bait on the hook, they want to trap you. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 explains that temptations and, and the snare, they're, they're equated in that verse. And the tempter considers it a success if he manages to ruin you, to destroy you. However, a temptation is still a choice. Not every fish goes for the bait, or so I've been told. And some fishermen will tell you that there are fish who see the bait, maybe bite the bait, but they, or some fish that see the bait, but they're not attracted by it enough to, to bite into it. And for such fish, the temptation is a test that actually can make them stronger. And indeed, the two words, temptation and test, are actually the same words in the Greek text. And we want to be like those fish who are able to face temptation without biting into it. Because we can see it as a test from God to strengthen our faith and to school us, as we sang in Psalm 119, to school us to trust in him at all times. That's why we pray the sixth petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I preach you the gospel of Jesus Christ and of this theme, the spirit of Christ, makes us desire to be delivered from the evil one. And we pray 
thankful that God defeated the evil one, that God defends us against evil desires, and that God delivers us from evil attacks. And as we saw throughout the series on the Lord's Prayer, we begin our prayer, the starting point of our prayer is the certainty that we have that everything is ours already in Jesus Christ. We pray, you remember the comparison at the very beginning of, our, of this series, we pray like recruits in the army who are just going to ask for everything that has already been obtained and assigned for us. And the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, referred to in, in the last two question and answers uh, of the, the catechism, the conclusion, thine is the kingdom and the power, or yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. That conclusion, although it's not found in all the, the versions of the Lord's Prayer and the scriptures, it uses words that are similar to David's prayer, found in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 13. And in fact, it was a common way for the Jewish believers to end their prayers. And that conclusion is a starting point. It's stating the, the fullness of what we have. And it serves to remind us that whenever we pray, we are praying to a father and a king who has power over all things. And as we confess, he is both willing and he's able to give us all that is good. We are praying to him because we believe that he should receive all the glory forever. Because Jesus Christ has obtained all that we are seeking. And so we can pray knowing that God, God's word is true and certain. As we confess, for God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. When we pray the sixth petition, there is no doubt in our minds that Jesus Christ has already defeated the evil one. And when we take our starting point from that four, you'll notice that the conclusion starts, for yours is the kingdom, or because yours is the kingdom. If that is our starting point, then we give this, this certainty, uh, that this, the, the emphasis of our prayer, God gets the glory, and it is completely inappropriate to give too much credit to the devil, to the evil one. When you start your prayer with the conclusion in your mind, you'll know that it's not a good thing to give too much credit to the evil one. And we have to state that because we live in an age that is actually quite fascinated with the counterfeit miracles of the devil, fascinated with witchcraft and even the depths of depravity. Ever since the fall into sin, when this curiosity about the knowledge of evil, in addition to the knowledge of good, when that, that curiosity gave sudden power to a fallen angel. And the human race now being egged on by social media, by, by media in general, has been easily dazzled by the evils of dictators and immorality and paganism. It comes to us from all over the world and, and we can become impressed. And led by the Holy Spirit then we 
pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We can know that God has the ultimate victory. For to him belongs the glory and the power forever. Who is that fallen angel compared to God? Brothers and sisters, we never need to despair. Ever. We can pray for strength knowing quite simply that the devil, together with all his forces, whatever, cannot win in a contest against the Lord, our God. Although we are aware of the reality and the seriousness of our situation, let us ensure that in the struggle, we don't give any honor or praise or worship to the evil one, to his forces, God has defeated in his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray for help on the basis of the conclusion that we are praying to a victorious Savior. Already in Genesis 3, verse 15, the Lord made it clear that not only would Satan's power against man be limited, he would only be able to bruise our heels or crush our heels, but also that Satan himself would be crushed by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and promised seed of the woman. And throughout the centuries, and we read about that in the Old Testament, throughout the centuries, God preserved his church, that, that promise. And did anyone succeed in destroying the work of God through all those thousands of years? Well, we're looking forward to celebrating Christmas commemorating the birth of the son of Adam, Abraham, and David, who was at the same time the son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, and they named him Jesus Christ, our anointed Savior. And though he faced a battery of attacks and temptations to fall, our Lord Jesus did not waver in his obedience to God. He displayed his authority over demons. He, he sent them away. He displayed his authority over the devil himself. And today we may confess that when our Lord bought us with his precious blood, he freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. The gospel starting point of the prayer, the sixth petition, is that Jesus Christ has broken the teeth of the evil so that he cannot have dominion in the hearts of the subjects of Jesus Christ the King. God the Creator is and, and always has been more powerful than the angels he created, including the fallen angels who hate him and his church. At the same time, we have not yet reached the end of the ages, the end of God's plan, when the full number of elect have been gathered in. And until then, we, we see from Scripture that the Lord in his infinite wisdom has permitted the evil one, Satan, to continue to roam around on the earth. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 9 says, even looking for someone to devour Although the ancient serpent has been thrown down, he has only been given to permission to crawl around in his, on his belly 
in the dust to swallow up the corpses of all those who have rebelled against God. Well, the serpent doesn't care. And he still tries to snatch some of the children whom God has made alive by his spirit. Satan is a dog on a chain, but he is a cunning, wicked, hate-filled dog who wants to undermine the eternal king by upsetting and attacking and distracting his subjects through temptations that appeal to the lusts of our flesh. Although he can never take possession of God's children, he could never bring Christ's body to destruction. Christians led by the Holy Spirit are very wise to turn to the sovereign God to help them against such a foe. And so our Lord Jesus taught us, do that. Pray to the Lord. He will not, you will not be led into temptation, yet you will be delivered from the evil one. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we see that in our second point that God defends us from evil desires. When we pray, lead us not into temptation. We are not imagining that God might ever try to bait the hook, to try to ensnare someone by baiting them with pleasures in an attempt to make them sin. James tells us, we read that very clearly, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God doesn't tempt anyone in an attempt to make them sin. But he does test them, and it's the same word that's being used, to learn the character of someone. Although Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, that's Matthew 4 verse 1, this didn't happen because the Spirit was trying to make our Lord Jesus rebel against him. Rather, God was providing our Lord Jesus with an opportunity to overcome the devil and his temptations so that he could fulfill all righteousness in our place by being obedient where Adam and Eve and all the people of God had failed. Jesus Christ resisted temptation. Matthew 4 verse 11 says that after that struggle in the desert, he was strengthened by angels. Hebrews 2 verse 18 says that since he has suffered, he is able to help us who are being tempted. Jesus is a high priest who understands what it is like to face that testing. As the Holy Spirit reveals in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, God knows that we are easily outwitted by Satan's design, and so he defends us from the evil desires in our own hearts by exposing the lies of the evil one, by revealing their failure and the vanity of temptations, by preserving a record of our Lord Jesus' temptation, the Holy Spirit shows us that the devil's strategy 
is to deceitfully offer us the same blessings that God has promised to us, but he offers them, he promises to give these blessings the easy way. With his temptations, the evil one is telling us that we can have joy and pleasure and laughter and satisfaction without having to obey God if we just would submit to him. Like a good fisherman, the bait that the evil one uses to trap us kind of looks like the real thing, except that it costs you your freedom. Now, if we were not so weak, and we confess that in our catechism, our own weakness, if we were not so weak, we could, we could recognize this danger. But our laziness, our desire for convenience and personal comforts, it places us in great danger. A fish isn't attracted to the half-mangled, oddly floating piece of dead fish on your hook because it looks so realistic and natural, but because it's so easy to get a hold of. And so we pray our Father in heaven, help us to see how pitiful temptations are compared to the wonderful blessings that you have promised to us. Help us to compare. Help us to see when our sinful nature is craving the easy way. Open our eyes to see the cost of taking hold of that bait so that we may not be attracted anymore by anything that would cause us to disobey you, to turn away from the riches that we have in you. That's what we pray. It's the desire the Spirit gives us in the sixth petition. And we can pray very thankful because we are praying for what God has promised. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 17, we read there that the, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to, to keep you from fulfilling the desires of your sinful nature. The Holy Spirit makes temptations look less tempting by showing us that the bait is disobeying God. And it leads you to separate yourselves from the riches that Jesus Christ has obtained for us. The Holy Spirit shows us the, the brightness of, of Jesus Christ. The gospel is like a bright light. And when it shines, the, the little sparkle of the lure of temptation just doesn't look so bright anymore. It loses its luster. And as a result of God's grace, our Lord Jesus may speak now of believers in that battle, but having a willing spirit. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That spirit is willing. That's the work of God in our hearts. The fact that you care about serving the Lord, the, the fact that it, 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 you don't want to disobey him because you know that in him is life. That's the, the willing spirit that you receive from God. The fact that you pray 
the sixth petition. And it shows that your heart is, is worked on by the Holy Spirit. The reflections of this willing spirit that God has given us. For God has given us a spirit that is willing to fight against the desires of our sinful nature. And as we pray, Lord, do not lead us into temptation. We're thinking of 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. God delivers us from evil attacks. In Ephesians 6, and we read that this morning, verses 11 and 12, the Holy Spirit reminds us about how serious the battle is. It's not just against flesh and blood. It's not just against our, our sinful desires, but it is against the schemes of the devil, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And the Bible also warns it's not only that the, the evil one is not only just roaring like a lion, 1 Peter 5, but he also masquerades as an angel of light. You read about that in 1 Corinthians 11. And so what a blessing it is to pray knowing that what we read in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Always provides a way of escape. We, we want to know, well, what is that way of escape? What, what does it look like? Well, our Lord Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples kept sleeping, he taught them to endure and escape temptations. And he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Watch. Watch so that you can see behind the scenes of, of every choice that you are faced with. That, that you are able to discern that, that bait that doesn't look normal. There's something wrong with that watch so that you can distinguish between bait on a hook and the wonderful nourishment from God. Watch and then pray. When we are tempted to do something in that, that moment of temptation, to do something against the will of God, and, and often this is an ongoing struggle. When you feel that pull then lift your eyes, pray. Lift your eyes to God on high. See your victorious King. And as you do that, it gives you a, an amazing power, a refocusing. Allows you to keep things in perspective. You're watching, you're understanding, and you're praying. God turns on the lights so you can see that what you're, what you're desiring just as the other people around you are able to see it. He allows us to see the, the choice. Every time that our Lord Jesus was tempted by the devil himself in the desert, he went to God. He went to God's 
promises. He compared Satan's offer with God's promise. He put that temptation in the light of the riches that he already had with his Father in heaven. And then it was so clear, he said, I see that, but it is written. And he tells the promise of God. And then he does it again. It is written. It is written. That's very comforting for us because we see that the Lord Jesus was not equipped with any special powers that we do not have today. Every one of us has the same scriptures that our Lord Jesus Christ had. We can experience that same victory. We can, when we pray regularly, when we're immersed in the promises that God has given us in his word, the temptations only look so nice because we forget what we have. And God's spirit guides us through the Bible. He gives us a transformed will that wants to glorify God, that wants to rely on him in prayer. And so we're equipped to respond to, to, to danger. And we, we respond with the God-given natural responses to danger. You may have learned it in school, fight and flight, flight and fight. Sometimes the way to escape a temptation is to flee from it. Our Lord Jesus told us that his sheep will flee from strangers because they do not know the voice of a stranger. That's John 10, verse 5. The Holy Spirit leads God's people, and he says, flee from sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee from idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Flee from the love of money and the snares, 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. Flee from youthful passion, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Hate even the garment stained with by the flesh. We escape temptations by fleeing, by leaving that party, by turning off that computer or getting rid of that thing, or, or fleeing to do better things with our time and our energy. Part of the dying of the old nature, we confess, is to hate and flee from sin. The fish that flees when he hears the sound of your lure hitting the water on its way into your school. That's a fish that you will not catch. Although many people might think you are strange, says Peter, because you do not want to participate with them in the same debauchery, you, you know better. Your flight can save your soul. It's a, it's a decision that pleases the Lord. Sometimes the way to escape temptation, to be delivered from the evil one, the way of escape that the Lord has given is to fight. There's flight and there's fight. Many of the Psalms picture situations when, when God's children feel cut off. There's, there's nowhere to flee. They, they feel even distant from God. They're surrounded by evil attackers and and they confess like we do in the catechism. We're so weak we cannot even stand for a moment. Maybe you've had it where God is testing you and, and pushing, pushing you to the limits, making it impossible to flee. And, and you have to face that temptation straight on. 
by God's grace, you recognize the danger, you pray to God for strength, and, and then what do you do? The Holy Spirit tells us clearly in James 4, verse 7, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. After describing the devil as a roaring lion, Peter urges the church that we are to resist our adversary, the devil. And you know what? You, you know very well when you fought temptation, whether it was in your mind or you, 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 you resisted, it's not a long struggle. It's not a long struggle because the devil knows that you are off limits to his scavenging. scavenging. Led by the Spirit, we will fight like a trout that has a, a hook in his mouth. He will dive and, and he will jump and he will spit and he will splash. We, we too will, will fight and we will win. Because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Our God is with us in our struggle. We we sang so many psalms that, that show that. Like a strong father, he will always be there to back us up, to, to pick us up, to set up his child that is learning to walk. And our brothers and our sisters in the congregation, they're also there with us and, and for us so that together as a body we can help each other to be more and more equipped to scorn the temptations with growing maturity. Perhaps we may even reach the point where we don't even resent temptations as intruders, but receive them as friends that strengthen our faith, that give us fortitude on our journey. We are like children learning to walk, ministers learning how to snowboard. We, we get bruised up, but when it doesn't kill us, but as the saying, it makes us stronger, makes us more watchful, more dependent on God in prayer, quicker to flee, and more aggressive when we fight. Lord, we pray, guided by your Holy Spirit, who is within us, We don't want to be intimidated by the evil one. Help us not to be soft in our approach to his designs. Help us not to be vulnerable to his temptations. And we pray with so much confidence because we know our God is sovereign. We know he sent his son to die for our sins, that he is a father who loves us with, with compassion and yet he's a father who has uncontested power. The evil one has been defeated. The spiritual war we are in is temporary. And the daily battles, even shorter. But the final victory is guaranteed. May God receive all the glory throughout our lives. For his is the power and the glory and the power, or is the, the glory and the power forever. Amen.